Fit and Theater of the Words presents The Reprehensibles, The Fight for Earth's Future. Episode 18, Neville Demands Surrender. Mike Stracco stood in front of the painting area on an assembly line of the lunar aggregate plant. The shell of one of the spacecrafts had just emerged from the painting tunnel, and Stracco was through with his work for the day. In fact, everyone on the shift would be finished in a few minutes. He turned to his left, as he had all day long, and looked toward the man he had been studying from a distance. At the far end of the line, Connections was hard at work. He was amazed that the agent was still alive. He had first seen Connections on his tour of the plant in Hangar that morning. Amidst the Luna aggregate people on the tour, he could not make contact with the agent. Connections had no idea that Stracco worked for the IJU. However, as the day wore on, Stracco knew it would be vital for him to share his information with Connections. He had to make his move. As he contemplated all this, the computer sounded. Fourth shift completed. Return to quarters for free time. Further instruction will commence in the morning. Stracco walked toward Connections as the computer spoke. The agent was, fortunately, still working on a final series of components as Stracco approached him. Connections turned around very slowly with no emotion on his smooth face. He looked at the dark-haired Stracco, down at his mustache, and then into his eyes as he spoke. You been here long? Long enough, said Connections as he turned from his station. His blue eyes looked up at Stracco. We're here to work. Perhaps we can discuss plan operations at a later time. Are you free? As a matter of fact, I am, said Stracco. I insist you come up to my cabin. Made cabin 4565, section C4. Stracco shut the doors as they arrived at his cabin. To his surprise, the Wiley Connections ripped open the computer terminal. He began working on several of the optical fibers. In a few seconds, the low, faint hum of the sound screens filled the room. How did you do that? asked Stracco. Never mind that. Who the hell are you? demanded Connections. My name is Colonel Mike Stracco. I'm here on behalf of Jim Pierce from ICU and the chairman of the Earth Quadrants. We thought you were dead. Dead? What do you mean dead? You haven't sent a report for the better part of a month. Pierce assumed, as did others, that you most likely were dead. Connections walked over to the bed, scoffing and growling. Well, this is insane! Insane! I've sent scrambled broadcasts from this place every night for the past 18 days. And you're telling me they know nothing? They have a general idea that this place existed, but nobody seems to know where it is. Stracco, you don't understand. There's something called the bottom line. It may be where they're keeping this food, where they're stockpiling everything to keep it from Earth. And then there's the greater problem. What's that? The record of the ages. What's the record of the age? It may be an explanation as to how all this happened. They'll never let it out. They keep it quarantined. They'll never let the true story come out. And they plan to you to confirm it. Well, good luck to Earth, he laughed. Then we get out of here tonight. Look, Stracco, you're not getting me out of here. Do you think I'd still be here if it were that easy to get to the outside? Why have they got guards? Guards, he says. Take a look at what's behind the walls. Some of the most encompassing orange force fields with thousands of nodules. Orange, orange light. Yes, orange. What difference does that make? 
said the exasperated connections. Hey, stop treating me like I'm some kind of slob. I led a team into the food production plant you mentioned in your last report. When saboteurs entered the plant, there was an unusual orange light. It's most effectively keeping people from getting in or getting out. And as you've seen with the production line, Straco, they've surpassed Earth's defenses and nobody even knows with their meager amount of ships and vessels. But we've begun to arm our ships. Ha <laughs> yeah, sure. Forget it. These lunar aggregate ships are sophisticated. They have blaster power that we've never seen. It's been increased for an added range. Why, just ten of their ships could wipe out all of Earth. And they haven't got five or ten, they've got 275. Swell, said Straco as he crossed his arms. That means pure and simple, it's all up to us. We have to sabotage whatever they have. Exactly, even if it means our own deaths. I have plans I've been mulling over in my mind for the past few weeks. They're detailed and will take a few days to execute. But if done properly, they could halt any takeoffs from this conflict. Neville Constantine sat behind his terminal desk in his office. Next to him, discussing the details of certain food production discs, was Terence Wilson. Wilson was somewhat intimidated by Neville's presence. Too much water usage in the Wisconsin 23. Look at these figures, he said, pointing to the screen. 45 liters per hour, Wilson. Just tell me calmly if they're going to waste water until they all get replaced. There are thousands on Earth just waiting to come up here, given the chance. As he finished, the computer sounded. Yes. This is Duval, outside the doors. Duval, he screamed, and his hairy eyebrows moved upward. He leaped from the desk. Send him in. Neville said Duval as he ran into the room. Vashon, just... Alma, you damn fool, you can't be seen outside the plant. Neville, Vashon's people have just monitored an earth broadcast. Alma, I really haven't got time, nor the patience to listen to another one of Vashon's new proposals to attack the earth right now, he said as he walked back to his desk. The earth ships, they've just blown apart Merriweather's air jet. He's dead. Neville stopped, his back toward Duval. He turned quickly. His eyes showed no signs of tears or any type of emotional attachment. Rather, he assumed a mystical, almost trance-like quality as he squinted. Breathing faster, he stomped back to Duval and held him by the sides of his Roscoe. Are you telling me? He yelled as the veins rippled across his head and neck. Those miserable earth people have just killed my brother in cold blood? No, 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 he was trying to escape, said Duval. I should have known, said Neville, as he let go of the Rasked. Yes, I should have known. Glass. He knew. He knew. But what did he know? asked Duval. He knew, Alma. What I have known for weeks. What I have known as I neared my father's office before you arrived from below. He knew that Merriweather murdered my father in cold blood. Merriweather? But how? asked Wilson as he rose from his seat. You two, no doubt, thought I was responsible for the murder. But Merriweather was at the silo station, said Wilson. A projection on the screen, said Neville. I'm just surprised we eluded glass as long as we did. If Merriweather hadn't done it, then I would have ordered it. How could you have wanted to kill Darius? Duval wanted to know. Let's just say that Merriweather had the proper prodding, said Neville. Wilson looked on intently. What's our next move? 
Our next move, Wilson, is to make these Earth people regret forever the deed they have committed today. First, I shall instruct Vashon to put all forces on priority standby. We will be at the ready at a moment's notice to head for Earth. Elmer, you will take the next and last cargo transport. Remove all personnel from the silo. Right. Stuff them in if you have to. And what about the food? asked Wilson. In due time, my dear Wilson, in due time. When everyone is safely back on the lunar surface, I will open a channel on the screen to the chairman of the Earth coordinates. I will at that time demand they surrender or have every last bit of food cut off. And the way the Earth is right now, I dare say the chairman will have no choice but to cede to my demands. What about glass? asked Duval. Ah, yes, the good inspector. Have him and his cohorts arrested on the incoming ship. Bring him under guard right into this office. I'll be waiting for him. He will sit by helplessly while we take the earth. Straco and Connections were still inside Straco's room when they heard the voice of Commander Vashon piped into the computers. Attention all personnel, attention all personnel, priority standby said Vashon with delight as he finally would in the near future take some action. All workers, clear the plant. All workers, clear the plant. Priority standby. Straco turned to connections. The agent seemed disgusted with himself as he pushed his fingers through his hair and sat on the bed. What does this mean? asked Straco. It means, yelled connections as he shot back to his feet, that they can take off for Earth whenever Neville Constantine gives the word. No, there must be something we can do, said Straco. There is. We can get inside one of those ships and compress the blasters. The resulting explosion could trigger the other spacecrafts. Come on, you're assuming that we can just walk right Warning. into that hangar. That's stupid. Warning. Wait, wait. Warning. What is it? Someone's Warning. scanning us. Out into the corridor. Let's go. Come on. Who are you? I'm a prober. You mean you're a scientist for the quadrant? Let's go. Hurry. We're being scanned. Down the corridor, they were met by Alma Duval. Hold it. Hold it right there. Duval had a flat disc in his hands. Bring them through and into the bottom line. The usual containment room. Yes, sir, said the guard in charge. Duval ran ahead into the plant as the guards forced the two men into the corridor at blaster point. The two IGU men did not understand why their efforts had been suddenly squelched. What they did know was that Luna Aggregate had vast power to wield, as Neville Constantine wished, against the vulnerable Earth. Inspector Manfred Glass was at that moment in the cleaning room of the returning cargo transport. The IGU agent that had been placed on board Gigliano had entered the room, nearly tripping over Glass's computer. Well, where have you been, Gigliano? Inspector, I have to act quickly. They're expecting me up front in a few minutes. I've deciphered the, the secret of their system. You're kidding. I was able to get below, remember. I'm just an attendant to them. I didn't get right up there, but I saw the signs there. And I believe they're trapped inside some other universe, entirely different dimension. I don't understand. Inspector, the space you and I are in right now, this space with all its matter and properties, this space is called our universe. Yes, I know that. But there are other spaces in the same area as well. Only we're prevented from seeing them because the laws of our universe, under normal conditions, preclude that. 
Once they've crossed into the other dimension, this bottom line to which Connections spoke of, they had passed through the bottom line to reach a simultaneous universe. Okay, go ahead. The universe has two unique properties, primarily the scale. For instance, if we take uh, one meter of our space, would be equal to 100 meters of the other universe's space. The complex that Connections alluded to and the food production sabotage. They are both possible, said Gigliano. Travel is possible within the bottom line. It's also theoretically possible to construct an environment using matter from our universe, but it's very risky. Very risky. The more matter you put inside the bottom line, the more the ripples are sent back into this universe. Ah, the earthquakes, exclaimed Glass. I'm not a geologist, I can't say. I can tell you that the ship we're in is being pulled back to the lunar surface. You mean propelled? No, I mean pulled. You see, the other property of the other universe, beyond the bottom line, is that it is very elastic. With the proper instrumentation, an object can be pulled into a destination like a Titan slingshot. Now, I see, I see. So this ship is somehow attached to that elasticity, and when they release it, they get the great speeds. Excellent, Inspector. You have a science background? Never mind the commendation. Let's get this information back to Earth. Wait, wait, wait. What is it? There's something more important. What could be more important? The record. The record of the ages. What are you talking about, Gigliano? The record of the ages. Why? Why it all happened? What happened to Earth? Haven't you wondered, Inspector? We just don't have that knowledge. There are answers. If we can find the record. The record of the ages. I suggest that we pay attention to the matter at hand, Gigliano, he said as he reached for his computer and turned to Gigliano. Wait, I have one final question. If someone wanted to stow away... Oh yes, I see, yes, uh, that would be quite possible. There has to be some type of attaching device to the other universe. A small component linked to that attachment that can provide a secure place of refuge undetected by the computers and within a microscopic drag on the ship. That's how they did it, said Glass as Maria ran inside. Miss Almonte, get out of here right now. Glass, they're searching the ship for you, she told me. What? Two guards out there right now. The doors to the cleaning room opened once again. Before Glass could answer, two guards in blue Roscoats, their blasters on their highest settings, burst into the room. I hate to interrupt this meeting of the minds, said the first one. I beg your pardon, said Glass. I came in here to use the cleaner. Oh, you did? And I suppose you need these other people here to help you. Seize the computer. On whose authority? Shouted Glass, and he grabbed the computer. Neville Constantine, he answered as the other guard pulled the computer from Glass. You're all under arrest and we brought to Neville's office for questioning. We've done nothing, said Maria defiantly. Up front, move it now, he said, putting his blaster to her back. As they moved across the starlit lounge, Maria was aware that her work with glass was no longer just a lark. Her very life was in jeopardy and the enjoyable aspects of the investigation were drawing rapidly to a close.
Neville had been interrogating Straco and Connections for several hours. He was frazzled by the lack of cooperation. When he asked questions, they simply would not answer. It would appear as though you gentlemen have been well trained. You have a stubborn tenacity. I like that. You're not the typical submissive earth person who goes through life with no whys or wherefores, just slipping away. I'll find out what I want to know, but not from you. Now, please, gentlemen, do not fear you'll be killed or tortured. I only want to remove the obstacles that are in my way. You gentlemen are out of my way, and the plant hangar has added security forces. You will be brought to more secure rooms in this complex. You will have the computers at your disposal, but you will not leave. In a few hours, you'll have company across the hall. Your plans are not going to work, Neville, said Straco. They just won't hand over everything to you on Earth. The time will come and the time will pass, my friend. I have the company waiting for me. I mustn't disappoint them, he said as he headed out the other corridor. When Glass arrived back in the office, Maria and Gigliano were seated on the sofa. The room, with no outside windows, was always dimly lit. The guards had been increased to prevent any escape and make the prisoners feel uncomfortable. Neville had an all-encompassing grin across his face as he directed his attentions to his adversaries. So, you solved your little investigation, Inspector. Congratulations. How nice. You're quite the persistent fellow, he said as he walked ahead of Glass. He looked down placidly, all at once raised his voice. And ordered my brother killed. Half-brother. Neville's face cracked with anger as he smashed the elder man across the face with his backhand. Silence! he screamed. You will never address me with your insinuations again! Glass was genuinely stunned. His head hung limply to the side. He slowly opened his eyes, lifting his red, jolly face upward. Doesn't matter anymore, he said. If I'm going to die, I'll die with dignity. You overbearing, unyielding jackal. Neville's black eyes opened wide, but this time he managed to control his anger. You will live to eat those words. See, your world glass is about to end, and everything you knew as a society will come to a screaming halt. We will return to a more just and dignified way of life. What do you know of dignity? You're ignorant of Earth. You hate all Earth people. I hate them because of what they have become. And what of the record of the ages? Neville stared at Glass for several seconds. What do you know about that? I know more than you think, and if anything happens to me, it will be released. You're lying, Glass. Try me. I have my feelings about the people of Earth. They will reach their full potential instead of living like caged animals. For my part, I will guide them. I want nothing of power. Oh, you don't fool me, Neville. You never have. You're a liar. An aggrandizer. Look at the way you just provoked your brother to kill your father. And how did the earth get to be the way it is? Silence! And what of the people? What do they have to say? Asked the inspector. They will have done what is best for them, he said as an aide rushed into the room. Mr. Constantine, Mr. Constantine, Mr. Duval is scanning the cargo transport. He wants you to return the scan. Duval? said Glass, shaking his head. Ah, the mystery man. Neville twitched his nose at the news. Computer, I will be crossing the bottom line momentarily. Relay any incoming scans to the plant. 
So we finally get to see the famous bottom line into the other universe, said Glass. Rimbavellian space, to be exact, named for its discoverer, said Neville. And did Dr. Rimbioli approve of your plans? asked Glass. I need not explain my means to you, he said as he looked over at the guards. Give me your blaster. The guard handed him the weapon, and Neville pointed it within centimeters of Glass's skull. If you're planning to hold us hostage, not hostage, you're my guest. When the order changes in the not-too-distant future, you will witness it all. Now get up and move toward the doors. Glass knew that the record of the ages was an important historical document and could put in contacts what happened to the planet Earth. But he also knew that he had bluffed Neville and their lives would be spared. Behind the bars, Arier and Stephanie ran up to them. Manfred, are you all right? As well as I can be, I guess, answered Glass. There are a total of six rooms behind the bars, Inspector, said Neville as he looked upward. You see, my dear Inspector, I can be most gracious when I want to be. I know I have one hell of a gracious pain in my jaw. Your sarcasm will hold little favor with me. Good. That gives me all the more reason to continue it, said Glass. You'll have to do it through the screen. The computers inside the suite have been severely limited. They will only answer to appropriate areas of concern. All the screen scans will be directed inward unless I deem otherwise. You think of everything, don't you? I try to. Glass poked his finger through the bars toward Neville's face. Sooner or later, I'm going to get to you. I don't know how, Neville. I regret the day that you decided to keep me alive. You do have an active imagination, Inspector. Do keep your dreaming upward. It'll keep your sanity. When the time comes, I'd advise you to gather around the screen. You're witnessing a unique moment in history, the changing of the order on planet Earth. He smiled one further time, turning and leaving them alone. As the doors closed, he hurried down the corridor to Duval's office. Vashon sat on the edge of Duval's desk. The commander had a wide grin on his face as he met his benefactor. All the spacecrafts are manned and ready to attack the Earth. Computer, said Neville as he walked by Vashon to the front of the screen. Get me, Mr. Duval. Desmond, I said, I'm well aware of what you said, Commander. And may I remind you that those spacecrafts are to be used when all other methods have failed. We shall know the answer in a few hours whether they have surrendered. Valas came on the screen. Yes, Alma, how far are you away from the station? Less than an hour. Station personnel report that all is proceeding in an orderly manner. Excellent, excellent. Glass and his friends are in the second suite, by the way, said Desmond. They'll watch the proceedings. Most assuredly, dear Elmer, most assuredly. We are close now. I want to take the time to extend my sincerest appreciation to you and your staff. We've gone from literally nothing on the verge to the greatest crew in history. And the most important, said Duval. That is correct, Elmer, unless you consider the last 500 years a coup. Commander Vashon has just assured me all spacecrafts are ready to go, should the chairman be obstinate. Elmer, inform me when the station has been evacuated. At that time, I will give the demands to the chairman.
The white light from the wavy Zambium surface illuminated his singular figure. Alone in his power, the dark-haired Neville gazed into the screen, his eyes more serious than they had ever been in his life. Without flinching, he asked the computer for the request he had worked so long to achieve. Computer, he said very softly, open up a scan to the office of the chairman of the Earth Quadrants. I wish to speak to him and to him alone, he said as Glass and the others gathered around the screen behind the bars. Several minutes passed as Neville waited patiently. The computer finally spoke, and as it did, a large image of the aging chairman sitting behind a terminal desk filled the screens. Chairman is ready to speak. Very well, Mr. Chairman. Can you hear me? I have anticipated your call for some time, Mr. Constantine, said the chairman, his tired voice echoing through the office and suites. No doubt have much on your mind, so I suggest you speak freely. I assure you I will listen carefully. Neville seemed slightly irritated at first. The chairman, still in virtual control of the entire planet. Good evening, Mr. Chairman. A pleasure to see you. Mr. Chairman, by now you are aware of Luna Aggregate's ability to, let's say, use certain offensive acts against you. We, sir, have devastated your fusion and food production plants. We have diminished the shipments of your food to your people. As of today, you are virtually out of all food supplies to the planet Earth. And I must reiterate another fact which you already no doubt know. I personally have an armada of spacecrafts ready to move against the planet Earth at my order. Sir, acts walk and we could treat them as such. Yes, I suppose you could, and it, if you could stop me, but you can't. You can't, Mr. Chairman. I have the food, I have the weapons, I have the agents, and I have Inspector Glass. You'll have to listen to me. We will not be intimidated by anything you have to say to us. I do not care what your position on this matter is at this point. It's inconsequential. I am handing you an ultimatum, Mr. Chairman. You will receive no food, as I told you, until, until you personally relinquish all of your powers, the control of the computers, and the quadrant leadership, as well as the militia to our corporate structure here at Luna Aggregate. Oh, you'll listen, said Neville as he grew angry. You'll listen because I know what's happening to the earth right now. Millions of people are starving. Millions of people in social disorder. Those are the people who once submitted to you. I have caused the earth to rumble and I will continue until you submit. See how long your people stay loyal to you when they have no food. Perhaps it is you who should look and see what you and your people have done over the last 500 years, Mr. Chairman. And I will speak no more to a man who is mad and hides his face in the darkness. No, no, you'll listen. You'll starve into submission. You will listen. Join us next week for another exciting episode of The Reprehensibles, The Fight for Earth's Future by Robert P. Fitton, presented by Fitton Theatre of the Word.